0: Conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again.
1: It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show. Conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Most people I speak with regarding the 20 and twenty. 2020 and 2022 elections don't seem to know anything about the controversies regarding election and ballot fraud in these contests that installed the vile CCP-serving criminal Joe Biden and his supporters in political offices. And yes, of course, what I've said here and I'm about to say during the rest of our program today are my views and opinions which, by the way, are the same or similar views and opinions of many tens of millions of other Americans. We can offer a lot of evidence in support of these views and opinions, but there isn't nearly enough time or space on my program, so I do my best to present as much supporting documentation as possible for what I say and assert. Since there are more than, I believe, 300 million people residing in this country, including the increasing millions of illegal aliens allowed and being allowed into USA by the traitorous gangster Joe Biden and his handlers and masters. You can see that most American citizens are unsophisticated regarding politics and don't pay much attention to political news and opinions, although many millions do. To these people, things aren't really so bad today. Despite soaring inflation, the swirling Marxist, that is, communist ideas being peddled, and sort of soft Marxist revolution going on up to this point around them and unleashed by Biden and company across the nation. You can't really blame them for their blissful political ignorance. It's all too upsetting and confusing to them, and they can—they just cannot believe that if the powers that be today ultimately succeed with this revolution, One day, not too far away, we're all going to wake up and be told that the American people have voted overwhelmingly to give up all their money and possessions. Along with the rights and freedoms, they have long taken for granted and surrendered to our new masters, the Communist Chinese Party, or CCP for short. I've repeatedly contended that Joe Biden essentially serves the Communist Party USA and, more importantly, the CCP which has paid Biden family members at undisputed $31 million, according to Peter Schweitzer, president of the American Accountability Institute, and author of the book Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Evidence for what I'm saying is all over the place. For example, there's the infamous World Economic Forum, WEF for short, where the West government, corporate, and societal elites gather annually in Davos, Switzerland, to worship communist China. As part of paying their dues, so to speak, for the privilege of doing business in China and joining the CCP in the ongoing rape of the Chinese people and environment in the name of growth at any cost. This has accompanied the so called economic miracle of the CCP's reform and opening up, which began decades ago. In my view, the CCP's supposed miracle economy is a house of cards, as the GatewayPundit.com's Joe Hoff has called it. While these policies have given birth to a fragile Chinese middle class of perhaps 100 million people or more and a wealthy CCP elite of some 92 million people the great majority of Chinese exist on the equivalent of only about 150 a month or less and it has been it has also involved large scale this whole reform opening up stuff and the miracle of economic growth in China, has evolved of our, of our large-scale corruption and business fraud, which nevertheless has lined the pockets of many of the CCP's friends on Wall Street, as they call them, and other American corporate and business elites. All these WE, at these WEF gatherings, we see endless talk and predictions of supposed inevitable future world government based on what in reality is the murderous, enslaving, and terrorizing CCP governmental model. All this doesn't seem to bother our corporate elites who are so blind with their own greed and who have been raking in so much money from their their CCP masters they've lost sight of, or don't care about, the long-standing and well-documented goal of communism to take over the world. Nor do these people seem worried that many of them, as history has shown all too well, will also perish and or be enslaved in the monstrously evil communist system approaching us. And at this point, I do want to say again that I am not advocating any type of violence in attempting to sound the alarm to the American people about what is approaching. The riot and illegal incursion into the U.S. Capitol building on January 6, 2021, in protest of, as Donald Trump has repeatedly called it, the rigged and stolen U.S. 2020 election, the evidence shows, was infiltrated with undercover government and communist Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists. This is a prime example of what, you can, what can happen when legitimate protests get out of hand, whether spurred on by agents, provocateur, or otherwise. And anyway, senseless violence is exactly what our communist and communist sympathizing opponents want us to engage in so they can use it as propaganda for their many millions of brainwashed minions to help turn them against us. There's a lot of talk today about Xi Jinping, uh, CCP leader Xi Jinping being paranoid and afraid of being assassinated. And there's we hear about the purges and purges going on. Uh, they've just recently sacked their new, fairly new foreign minister who was previously ambassador to the USA and also their top uh, military guy and some others. Uh, but, and, And this talk that Xi Jinping is being rebuked by elders in the party hierarchy for the problems with their economy today and all that. If you follow the news, you know a lot of things are going on in China, Uh, the terrible economy they have there and the massive unemployment and all the other problems. But uh, I, I don't see this as being Xi Jinping's end. It might be, but there's a lot of speculation. I think it's wishful thinking. The communists have control, iron control over there, ironclad. And they kill anyone who gets in their way, along with their own rivals for power. It's true, probably, that many people in China, many people in the Communist Communist Party joined to get ahead and don't really believe in communism that much. I understand many of them have gotten fabulously wealthy, and they moved them their money, trillions of dollars, offshore, buying land and yachts and all kinds of things. And they don't want to bring it back, and there's a new movement now to try to make them bring it back. but. Uh, Nevertheless, they seem to have long-standing, ironclad control over the population, as they always have, and the Chinese people continue to suffer, suffer, suffer. As I see it, whether or not we Trump supporters succeed in taking back the country from the political left will largely depend on how much of our judiciary, our ideologically leftist and or compromised, is supporting the left against us. And how determined members of Congress and the political right are in resisting the Marxist revolution being thrust upon us. The outcome of this monumental political struggle remains in doubt. As part of this alarm, I'm trying to sound, and along with many others, is my conclusion that a cabal of criminals in in and formerly in our government are working secretly with the CCP to keep our elections rigged and stolen and thus refrain. I'm sorry, retain and strengthen their hold on power. Election integrity activist Mike Lindell and his team have laid out their case with abundant documentary evidence for the CCP cyber, that CCP cyber operative, operatives have been heavily involved in our elections. Engaging in massive vote manipulation for Joe Biden and supporting Democrats aided by rhinos that's Republican in name only, in the 2020 and 2022 elections. Now, it just may be – this is my analysis – that the Republicans succeeded just barely in gaining the majority in the House of Representatives because Mike Lindell and his team urged people to vote in person on Election Day rather than way before or way after the way these illegal court rulings have been going, uh, allowing people to do all this stuff and the absentee ballots and everything. Uh, and that messes up the algorithms, the computer programs that monitor – The vote counts so they know how many ballots to stuff or how many votes to flip electronically in order to win in these states, particularly the key swing states. (laughs) Nevertheless, they're getting better and better. The people doing this are getting better and better and more and more sophisticated at doing it. And we don't know what the future is going to hold. But I, I am convinced they have no intention of giving any of this up. Now. Retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Thomas McKinney, former U.S. intelligence analyst Kurt Wiebe, I believe is how you pronounce his name, journalist Mary Fanning and Alan Jones on their website, theamericanreport.org, among others, have alleged that the CCP has been using a super-secret CIA-developed supercomputer system known as the Hammer and an elections interference program used with it called Scorecard to flip millions of votes in these recent elections for Donald Trump from Donald Trump and his endorsed candidates, that is votes cast on and or recorded through electronic equipment, and uh, for, for Trump and his endorsed candidates to Joe Biden and his supporting office holders. If all this is true, then the big question is, how did the CCP gain access to or build their own, the hammer and scorecard, in order to wage these massive U.S. cyber attacks? on our elections. Also, as I stated earlier, is there a cabal of present and former U.S. government operatives secretly working with the CCP and domestic elections operatives to perpetuate all this electronic and ballot election fraud in the USA? This then leads to the further conclusion that obviously Joe Biden and others in and outside the U.S. government have to be aware of and engage in this massive criminal and treasonous elections interference operation. Now, General McKinney, I haven't heard from him in quite a while, he's an elderly gentleman, he's in his 90s now, I believe he's retired, but he apparently has contacts in the intelligence community. And he said that Donald Trump knows about this hammer and scorecard and so do many other people, but they are prohibited by uh, national um, secrecy acts from talking about it. When I try to get my people, my Congress people, to discuss it, they don't seem to want to do it either. Nobody seems to want to really bring it up. We better do something pretty quickly because it's being asserted that this is the, these are the keys to a big part of the election fraud. The other part, of course, is the paper ballot fraud. Now you know all those, all the free and fair elections, with all those ballots that you can't look at, it's top secret. We've been seeing numerous U.S. officials, including Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, a former Biden campaign aide, who's reportedly. Orchestrated the fraudulent letter. Well, the letter from the 50 plus uh, former intelligence community people uh, stating that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Uh, but anyway, we've seen uh, Treasury Senator. Uh, Blinken, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and others suddenly visiting Beijing to curry favor with Chinese officials. And now the CCP is sending some of its top officials to Washington for talks aimed at improving economic and political relations between the two countries. As Joe Biden has repeatedly stated, he wants competition, not confrontation, between the two nations. And this despite the many recent provocations by the CCP. For example, their spy balloon floating over sensitive U.S. military sites early this year before it was finally shot down by the Biden administration at, on orders of the president there. And Biden concessions to the CCP, such as the sudden and strategically disastrous U.S. pullout from Afghanistan right after old Joe was installed in the White House, which tremendously benefited the CCP, whose military jets were reported... To have landed at the former US air base at Bagram in Afghanistan, just 400 miles from the Chinese border, within hours of the US pullout. One of these supposed diplomatic visits to Beijing that most concerns me is that recently of our CIA director, William Burns. The visit, widely referred to as secret by the mainstream CCP aligned US media, was said to promote improved communication between the US and China. But why would the top U.S. spy chief visit Beijing in the first place? And right after that visit, China's new foreign minister, at least that's the way I understand it, the timing there, new foreign minister, the uh, former U.S. ambassador to the U.S., disappeared and was sacked. And not long after that, China's defense minister was arrested and removed from his position, along with several other high-ranking Chinese military officials, as part of an ongoing purge of suspected disloyal officials in China. Is it possible that the Biden administration offered up intel on these people, supposed these people's supposed sa- espionage and sabotage and returned for assurances the CCP will continue to assist in throwing US, helping throw U.S. elections for the political left? I have to wonder. All this having been said about the cyber attacks on our widespread electronic elect- elections equipment, let's look at a recent development regarding the electronic elections equipment company Smartmatic. Now, later last week, it was reported the U.S. Department of Justice, as <laughs> the DOJ, authorities in Florida have indicted Smartmatic for alleged involvement in a bribery scheme to ensure Smartmatic management of the Philippines' 2016 election. I'm not sure if there actually was a formal indictment or just a criminal referral, as it's referred to later in some of the sound files you're going to hear at this point. But uh, – <coughs> excuse me. There seemed to be some confusion about the exact nature of the criminal charges involved. In any event, this matter is very interesting to elections integrity activists. Starting off, here's an early analysis by elections integrity activist Patrick Byrne on the matter. I thought that Byrne, due to his involvement in advancing allegations of cyber election fraud, had been sued for defamation by Spartmatic, along with many other prominent figures. But I found no mention of it in these sound files. Anyway, let's hear what Byrne has to say. Play soundbite one, please. Hello, this is the biggest news since
2: November 4th, November 3rd, 2020. In my eyes, the DOJ has indicted Smartmatic. Well, a prosecutor in the DOJ down in Florida who has a lot of courage went ahead with Smart, uh, and then indicted Smartmatic. A year ago, it leaked from the DOJ that they were considering indicting Smartmatic, or they were working on indicting Smartmatic, and but somehow there was some congestion above blocking it. But I don't know what happened. Uh, well, I do know what happened. I'm not going to disclose here, but let's just say it seems like I don't know. I think that I think that there are very brave, wonderful people in the DOJ. I actually know there are, and because I've I've had the opportunity to meet some of late in my life, and. This just happened. Smartmatic. I just am saying though, well, the DOJ did this. I'm not sure the entire DOJ is happy about this. I'll just leave it at that. But they have prosecuted in Miami, federal prosecutor has gone ahead and indicted Smartmatic. They absolutely, this is this apparently or allegedly is about money laundering. Superficially, it is about money laundering. A bribe was paid. There was there were some money transfers hidden. There was an Oklahoma company, a shell company somebody moved $15 million. So all the articles are making this about, well, this isn't about rigging elections, election, it's about money laundering or something. Nonsense. Yeah, it is about money laundering, but the money laundering was to a company, SmartMatic rigged the Filipino election in 2016. It rigged it. It rigged it, and that's what the money flows were about. So the, all the press will tell you is, well, they're at least conceding now. CNN has written this report that, well, they've been indicted, but it wasn't for election tampering. Nonsense. They were they were indicted for money laundering. They said the money laundering was the payment for the tampering. They absolutely did rig the 2016 election. The DOJ knows it. Get the court documents. My understanding is in the court documents, there's even a, a sentence that makes clear that this is in, about them having actually rigged the election. I haven't read it yet. Somebody find it on a DOJ website and get it, please. Uh, okay. So now that things are going on, I can tell you. I hinted to this about you about a year ago. I told you that there was a leak from the DOJ about Smartmatic and to look it up. And it said that it might it was about money laundering, but it might have to do with something else. It did have to do with something else. The <laughs> Smartmatic rigged the DOJ the uh, Filipino election in 2016. This is now in the courts. A grand jury in Florida has indicted Smartmatic. Has indicted these clowns and. All the press is going to report is the money side of this. They're not, you know, they're, they're going to keep, as long as they can, they're going to keep, oh, I don't see anything else. Well, the money was to accompany the rigging of the election. It was part of the rigging deal. So just so you know, now I'm going to lay out a few more cards for you. <sighs> Smartmatic in 2000, Smartmatic is, in fact, Venezuelan. I'm going to tell you the true story, and then you can see how they dance around the truth. Smartmatic was started by three guys from Venezuela who, in 1997, started a home automation company. I think it was called BizSofter, Business Softer or something. And in 2000, 2001, Hugo Chavez sent them to go figure out how to computerize and rig an election. They moved to Florida, Coral Gables. They opened a Delaware company. They started a Delaware corporation called Smartmatic and there was cartel money in it, Hugo Chavez money in it. And they, they rigged the 04 referendum for Hugo Chavez. He put a bunch of money in it. And that became their weapon to take over the world, to change the world. In 2007, the California Secretary of State looked at organized a commission to look at this Smartmatic equipment. There was eight Professors of computer science from like Berkeley and Caltech and I think Stanford, whatever, some great California universities. They looked at it and they said this stuff is total junk. It's total junk.
1: How hard is it to hack an election? So do you have
3: to be a big country or I mean, so, for example, could you guys hack an election and change the outcome, say a national or a local election? (laughs) I'm
0: pretty sure my undergrad computer security class at Michigan could have changed the outcome of the 2016 Michigan election if we wanted to. It it is that bad.
2: It violates the most basic precepts of computer cybersecurity. And in fact, they went so far as to suggest it looks to us like it may have been designed so it could be manipulated. It's so porous. The CTO of Smartmatic at the time was a guy named Eric Kumar. Does that name ring a bell? Eric Kumar went on to become the, the head technologist of Dominion during the 2020. How he went from here to there. And so I'm just telling you the underlying truth, and then I'm going to explain how they have danced around the truth. That's the underlying truth. And the European Commission got involved, and they actually ascertained. The European Union wrote a report that Smartmatic signed, I think it was three years later, that admitted Smartmatic software is really owned by a bunch of Venezuelan guys. Okay. As, well, what happened was Dominion, George Soros, who is Dominion, tried to buy Smartmatic, and they was blocked. Actually, a Democratic congresswoman got it blocked. Said This isn't appropriate. And so Smartmatic, this is like 07, Smartmatic bought a company called Sequoia, an older manual election company. They've been around 100 years. They bought it, which had some troubles. They bought this for next to nothing. They put all their intellectual property in it and then they sold that to Dominion. They sold that company to Dominion, to George Soros Dominion. That's how Dominion. So the, that's how Dominion got this. Now, just so you understand the operating system is called the Smartmatic election management system. It also became the GEM, the general election management system. That election system, that software package, that's the operating system. It works like this, just like when you buy—I'm on a Mac—but when you buy a an app, I'm sorry, when you buy a Dell, an Acer, or a Lenovo laptop, whichever one you buy, the operating system inside is Microsoft. Similarly, when you buy Dominion, Hard, or ESNS, the operating system inside is the Smartmatic operating system, or it has traditionally been now they changed the names from the smartmatic operating system to the general election management system to in 2018. Dominion says they rewrote some of the, they rewrote the code and they cha- well they, we, they changed the name of the, the the operating system inside but it's all smartmatic. And by the way, who, who was that? That was Eric Kumar. So the same guy, the same technologist, that the California professors looked at it on, on behalf of the Secretary of State of California and said this in 07 and said, this smartmatic system is junk. It doesn't meet the most basic precepts of cybersecurity and may have been designed to be hacked. That guy moved to Dominion through that series of corporate, I kind of left out a couple steps, but there were corporate mergers and acquisitions and divestments and licensing agreements. And that system ended up everywhere. That system was used to hijack the 2016 Filipino election and some bribes were paid. All and the DOJ has now indicted people. Now that's the truth. Now how I'm going to show you how the press and how the how they work to, to lie to you. They say, well, Smartmatic it only ran one county's election. These these yoke these yuck yuck yucks like burn. They don't know anything. Smartmatic only ran one election in the U.S. in 2020, L.A. County. That's beside the point. Their system is in everybody's. Their operating system is in everybody's computer. So it's just a it's just a silly thing to say. But little things like that are enough to fool these professors and, and editors and journalists. That's all they, they think. They're so superficial. They are so superficial. Okay. So that happened. And then what's the other way they deflect this? They say, well, SmartMac. I don't know. They'll tell you, well, this is about bribery. It's not about rigging an election. The bribery was to rig the election. And what happened was there was a big payment made from the Philippines. And then that Philippine to this company in Oklahoma, as some of that payment went to Smartmatic and some of it went back to the Filipino politician. So they are going to focus on, well, all this shows was some money went from a Smartmatic to a Filipino politician, uh, but it's not rigging election. No, it's because again, they're superficial. They don't understand that these money flows were a try money came out of the Philippines, I think election commission or something to bribe smartmatic to do this. But that money included a share to be kicked back to a Filipino politician. That's why the money flows are not as simple as, as, as just a bag of cash from smartmatic to the Philippines or not from the Philippines to smartmatic in order to rig an election. It, the money sort of scattered around because there were different people being paid. So, this is a settled matter. The DOJ now acknowledges, get the indictment, they, they, the Smartmatic rigged the Filipino election. That's what the bribe's about. Okay? The intellectual fight here is over. The Department of Justice and an American grand jury has now just looked at the facts and said this is all true. I want you to know in the background, and no one will be happy about this at the DOJ, I'm in the background of a lot of this stuff going on. And have been. And so when you see me running around the world and people, and I tell no, I'm working really, really hard. I promise I am working really hard. We have it all. We have it all. This is the beginning of the end.
1: Now, since issuing that, putting that posting on his, I believe it the uh, Rumble.com local or Locals.com channel on the Internet, uh, Byrne has issued a correction, a minor correction, he calls it, where he said he got the dates off when Eric Coomer, uh, he's a central figure in a lot of this stuff, by the way, or at least he's the, the critics talk about him being involved, his involvement in the, his election company, but uh, he got, Bird got his, the time that when, when off by a year or so, when Coomer joins Hart Maddie or joined Dominion, or I'm not quite sure what, but anyway, it's there on his site. If you want to look at it, but so it's not completely accurate what he's saying here, but it's, it's rather interesting. Basically, as I understand it, they, They're claiming that people got the Philippines to give 200 million. They only need 100, they wanted 150 million or something. They got 200 million and they kept 30 million of it and uh, laundered it through a shell company in uh, Oklahoma or something and kicked 20 million back to this politician. And he's the guy that they're after for bribery. Uh, They name undotted co conspirators, but uh, they don't, you know, we don't know exactly who they are. You'll see a little bit more about this as time goes on. Um, I'm not quite sure what Byrne is referring to when he states this is the beginning of the end. There at the end of his presentation, but as you may know, Smartmatic and another election equipment, which is mentioned here, uh, Dominion, very similar equipment, uh, they both use. They both it's uh, they have similar DNA as it's called uh, their stuff, uh, and you know Dominion uses stuff that Smartmatic developed and so on. So. Have sued they both sued certain U.S. media outlets, uh, Fox News. Uh, you may have heard about it. they got almost eight. 18- Eight hundred million or something. Their biggest shareholder is uh, BlackRock, I understand, uh, or Fox, Fox, uh, Fox, whatever it is the parent company. Um, it's really bizarre. That's like forty times what Dominion makes. Uh, uh, but they settled. Uh, Fox settled. They sued uh, one American News Network, I think, and then Trump's supporting lawyers, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and Mike Lindell's been sued for billion billions each of these people for no a billion or more in damages claiming defamation for these, the claims that these machines and software were used in U.S. election fraud. Now, when, he, when Burns says Smartmatic rigged it, I, I think what he means is their machines were used to rig it, but maybe he's implying that they're actually Smartmatic executives that did the rigging. I, I don't know, but um, anyway, I doubt our corrupt... DOJ top officials in Washington are going to sit by and not st- try to suppress or cancel the action of the U.S. Attorney in Florida, conducting the Smartmatic investigation, but we'll have to see where all this leads. In a few moments, you'll we'll hear more on the Smartmatic investigation with comments from Patrick Byrne again, being interviewed by Emerald Robinson on her The Absolute Truth TV show on Mike Lindell's Frankspeech.com website. This was just a few days ago. Starting off, you'll hear Emerald Robinson talking about Lord Mark Malick Brown. Formerly a member of Britain's Parliament for Labor. I believe that is a communist leaning uh, Labor Party. And formerly number two, I believe, in the United Nations. Uh, number two man. I read that Brown resigned as head of the parent corporation of Smart Medic the day after Election Day 2020 to head George Soros's Open Society Foundations. In the video, Your Wake Up Call, featured on frankspeech.com as part of their elections material, the former Georgie Swartz Soros, the former Georgie Soros of Hungary, where in recent years he's been designated an enemy of the state there, he's now known as George Soros here in the U.S., is said to have had financial interest in electronic voting equipment firms in countries around the world. I believe this is why Patrick Byrne referred to Dominion as Soros's Dominion. I don't know what of a, how much of a stake he's had in that or if he currently owns it or not or what, but there's a lot of implication uh, for, for Soros and for Malik Brown, Mark Brown, Mark Malik Brown, who's a, a chief lieutenant of Soros, at least that's the way I I've, I've view him as. Um, and as I said, um, Dominion and Bank have been suing media figures and corporations electronic ch- and electronic and election challenging Trump supporters for billions in damages alleging defamation. Uh, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, you, you may have heard on that tape, uh, uh, on that presentation, he plays a little thing from, I believe it's uh, uh, J. Alec, huh, J., J. Alex, uh, I forgot. He's, a, he's a professor at the University of Michigan, I believe. He's a computer science professor. And he has said that his beginning computer security class at the university could hack the U- Michigan election. And there's many other people in universities around the country who said that this Election equipment is very susceptible to hacking. U.S. Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, has declared that all electronic election equipment is highly vulnerable to hacking for, for cyber attacks and vote manipulation. Burns states that this vulnerability, includes, this vulnerability includes nine major flaws. He said he's read the material from put out by CISA, and it includes nine major flaws of these, this equipment which, for which there are no known fixes. CISA has said it hasn't found any evidence of cyber attacks on this equipment, but as elections integrity attorney Kurt Olson has observed, they haven't looked. Why do you suppose that is? They're part of the Biden administration. Trump supporter and prominent attorney Lynn Wood said he believed Microsoft founder Bill Gates has been paying for these lawsuits. I haven't found any more information about this claim, and I'm not sure if there's been any changes or more added to that, but. I wouldn't be surprised, given Gates' involvement in supporting Joe Biden and his longtime close relationship with, that is, Bill Gates, with CCP leader Xi Jinping, who recently referred to Gates as an old friend. Recall that it was Bill Gates who almost tripled his net worth investing in vaccine companies, including, I believe, in China, and promoted a large-scale world government pandemic response drill just months before the officially declared outbreak of COVID-19. They sound like two, please.
3: Why would a foreign-owned electronic voting machine company that was started by three Venezuelans and is controlled by a private holding company based in London seem very interested in suing American journalists for the contents of their communications? When did electronic voting machine companies suddenly acquire the right to intimidate American journalists regarding American public elections in American courts of law. Well, welcome to the Biden banana republic. How is it possible that a foreign owned electronic voting machine company wants to sue American journalists for the contents of their communications? While that same company is apparently under investigation by the Department of Justice for corrupt business practices in the Philippines, according to Semaphore. Here's another odd thing. On November 11th, 2020, I duly noted on Twitter that Lord Mark Malik Brown, the best friend of Nazi collaborator and global villain George Soros, was listed on the board of directors for Smartmatic. And guess what? Mark Malik Brown's biography was deleted from Smartmatic's website by November the 12th, 2020. Now, how's that for a disappearing act? It's almost as if Mark Malik Brown doesn't want the American public to know that he was very involved with Smartmatic. After all, why would a guy who sits very high in the United Nations, the deputy secretary general, mind you, and in the House of Lords, oh, how very British, also sit on the board of an electronic voting machine company started by Venezuelans and run by a private holding company? Well, because that's very suspicious. And Smartmatic isn't just trying to silence journalists, but also tech guys like former Overstark CEO Patrick Byrne. And we're so pleased to have Patrick Byrne join us now. It's good to see you, Patrick, as always.
2: Back at you, Emerald. Good to be here.
3: Now, you know, Patrick, you're one of the, those people that is, they specifically want to know about our communications. Um, but since those largely happen on camera, I would just point them specifically to this segment, right?
4: <laughs> they think but there's before some, we get yeah, into it, I really want to wanted... I think yeah, there's some right, file right communications
3: um,
2: or letters or planning between us. I think I know we've shaken hands once or twice, but but basically all of our communication has been yeah in front of the the audiences essentially.
3: Right. With the with the record button on. Um but I do want to drill into this recent complaint that was filed in the Southern District of Florida on September nineteenth uh, of this year. The complaint includes an affidavit from a special agent with the Department of Homeland Security uh, Homeland uh, Security, HSI division. The agent describes a Company 2 in it as an electronic voting machine company and service company with offices worldwide, but headquartered in the UK. He then goes on to identify co-conspirator one. In the bribery scheme, who he says is the co-founder and president of said company, too. Uh, He said the co- co- co-conspirator uh, resides in Florida, became a U.S. citizen in the January of 2019 after having immigrated to the U.S. around 2009. However, the most important piece of information that I found uh, uh, that the agent shares is that this nationalized citizen was a domestic concern. As you can see here in the filing, he says, according to U.S. law, the affidavit then goes into great detail of a scheme conducted by this founder of the unnamed voting machine company confirmed by CNN reporting to be smartmatic. A scheme in which this person, along with other co-conspirators, founded shell companies and conducted wire transfers in such a way to funnel money to former elections chief for the Philippines, Andres Bautista, that would avoid detection. Now, the U.S. government is suing Batista, right? This company's implicated. Now that I've set the stage, Patrick, I know you know a lot more about this case than, than what's out there in public. So can you tell us exactly what is going on?
2: Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that what it's going to turn out, thank you, Emerald, and that's very concisely put, I think what's going to turn out to have happened is in 2016 the Philippines could have bought that they had a, a government tender to say we want some a whole new election system who's going to come in and run our election and they smartmatic won and I think it's going to turn out that they could they would have taken 150 million dollars but instead they said give us 200 million dollars and we're going to keep 30 million of it as a fee to rig the election for you. And we'll take 20 million of it and send it back to you, Bautista, the head of the Filipino Election Commission. And they sent that back to him by bouncing it through an Oklahoma shell company, then over to the Philippines. Now, all that that criminal referral says, now CNN called it an indictment. It's a criminal referral, which is you can arrest somebody based on a criminal referral now before you actually try I mean, you need to uh, go through the grand jury but that's the underlying money flow as i believe they took 30 million to rig the election and then they and they kicked so they got an extra payment of 50 million of which they kept 30 and then they kicked back 20 to the filipino guy the, the doj criminal referral just at the moment concerns that 20 million kickback. I've been investigating this case from different directions. I'm not working with the DOJ. I'm one step ahead of the sheriff myself, but we can, but I, I've come at this from a different direction. I, I had learned the same things. And so that's really all you'll see in that criminal complaint is them chasing that 20 million. But I'm, I'm confident the DOJ understands there's actually another 30 million payment in there for having rigged the Filipino election of 2016. Which means the DOJ understands you can in fact use these machines to rig an election.
3: So that's what I was going to ask you. If, if the bribery scheme is as you have just described, then inherently as any part of an investigation, you would ask, have to ask, did they rig the, how do they rig the election? Did they rig the election? And then you would have to get into the cyber aspect of this right that people say doesn't exist right you'd have to actually get into the software is that correct patrick
2: yes i would say that's a good way to put it uh but i wouldn't consider this a criminal referral or a criminal uh what this is is an official you know they can now arrest this has been signed off by they could arrest the guy on this now they couldn't try him yet but it, and there's four unnamed co-conspirators at, at Smartmatic. So my guess is by filing this, they're doing it as the first step of saying, okay, there's now this official criminal charge we're bringing, and they're probably putting a lot of heat on those four people to, uh, and that's, that's my guess right now, and, and that will concern these other matters. And so my point is you will see this indictment grow and grow, I, I believe. To include the other legs of the conspiracy, but just on the fact that you know that the top guy, the four top executives of an election company, turn out to be bribing third world officials in order to get their elect their uh, machinery installed, which is now the DOJ's position. You would think it would not be too big a leap to say, well, if they'd be willing to do that, might they be willing to rig an election for a fee? My guess is, yeah, but it's more than a guess at this point. I know that they did, and I know that the DOJ knows it.
1: Speaking of corruption and the two tier system of justice we've been seeing from the DOJ and local leftist prosecutors trying to destroy Donald Trump. Here's more from Ember Robinson on another one of her programs, or another part of the same program. I can't quite remember now, but it was just last few days. Interviewing videographer and podcaster Dinesh D'Souza about his new video Police State. Play sound bite three, please
4: they don't go after
1: the people that rigged the election they go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened
2: we don't need to have a crime what we need is a person to look at and then we go find out what crime you did our focus is shifting our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want.
3: And Mr. Dinesh D'Azousa joins us now. It's good to see you, Dinesh.
4: Um, I I appreciate you being
3: here because I'm excited about your film.
4: Well, it's a film that I never wanted to make. I mean, why? Because I didn't want America to become a country where you kind of needed to make a film like this. But when I think back, Emerald, over my life here in America and the liberties that we all took for granted, I mean, the liberties spelled out in the Bill of Rights, All of them are right to free speech, to conscience, freedom of assembly, right to petition the government, equal justice under the law. All of these things have suddenly now become uh, fragile, have become precarious. And so this film asks a startling question, is America becoming the kind of nightmare police state that we have deplored uh, in other countries, North Korea, China, the old Soviet Union. I think at one point we thought that China would become more like us, but it seems that we are becoming more like them.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dan Bongino's comments in that trailer really resonated with me because I realized at some point that I had become wary some of a knock at the door and, and wondering if at some point, as a journalist who doesn't act in line with the corporate media if I'm at risk. At what point, Dinesh, because you've been very hopeful in your past films, I've seen all of them, right? I remember seeing one of them premiere at a Freedom Fest years ago in Las Vegas, and you've done such amazing work. And despite the country's problems, you've always been very hopeful. So what specific instance was it that you knew you had to do this film and ask this question?
4: Yeah, this film, I would say, is not hopeful in that sense. Uh, typically, in my earlier films, I'd always be excited when the audience stood up and cheered at the end. They won't do that after this film, just like they didn't do it after 2000 Mules, because the film is a sort of a, uh, I, I, I make it, I compare it to an animal giving a, a kind of a warning to the herd that there is like a cheetah in the trees, uh, a cheetah that not everybody sees. In fact, a lot of Americans will be like, well, you know, I'm not Trump and I didn't go in the Capitol on January 6th, so I'm going to be okay. I'm a law-abiding guy. I pay my taxes. These guys don't realize how vulnerable they are. Uh, just like the January 6th defendants, many of them cooperated with the FBI. Here's my passport. Here's my Here are all my social media posts. Why? Because We trust the FBI. So we are in a dangerous environment, and I'm trying to sound a a real warning because at some point you cannot fight back against a police state. You can only run. But we are in a position to block the police state. There are things we can do. That's what this movie is about.
1: Moving on to other conspiracy theories. You may have seen the Biden administration's pathetic and woefully inadequate response to the Maui wildfires in August. Weeks after the fires, Joe Biden finally flew into Maui, spent a few hours there touring burn areas where he joked about how hot the ground was, then attended a brief memorial service for the fire victims where he appeared to fall asleep. Maybe he was just actually closing his eyes and praying and bowing his head. What do you think? Sure looked like he fell asleep. Anyway, Biden then jetted back to the USA and resumed his vacationing spending some time at the Lake Tahoe, I believe, mansion of former Democratic presidential candidate and climate change fanatic Tom Steyer, another radical leftist who, I understand, got fabulously wealthy investigating coal mines and massively polluting power plants in China, where there's been little or no environmental concerns or regulations, although the Chinese government talks about climate, how we've got to help the climate and all that, but they've broken off talks with the U.S. about what they can do. They're doing a little bit here and there, supposed to be a little bit more in the future, but they're not doing much at all. They're building new power plants every day with coal and using buying more gas and oil. See a little hypocrisy here on the part of Mr. Steyer. And Biden has declared that the Maui fires were caused by and clear proof of climate change. I think he said something that if anyone doesn't believe in climate change now, why, how could you be so dumb? As part of the hysterical efforts to combat and thoroughly speculative, I say, earth-warming effects of supposed fossil fuel driven climate change, Biden is pushing the elimination of all gasoline and diesel powered vehicle engines in the next decade. This, of course, would greatly damage the USA economically and at the same time greatly financially benefit Biden's masters in China where most electric vehicle batteries are made, as well as many of the, of the world's electric vehicles. It's been reported that the Maui electric utility that supplies power to the island, which is said to be owned by the socialist-leaning, social-justice-promoting investment management firm BlackRock, has said its power line started at least one of the Maui wildfires. BlackRock CEO Larry Flink is, think, is a longtime China investment fan and promoter. This is also the guy who recently declared that social justice behaviors must be forced on people. But there has also been much speculation on the Internet that, that these wildfires actually start, were actually started by satellites with lasers or other space-to-ground weapons. You may recall that some weeks prior to the Maui wildfires, huge green laser beams were observed in the night sky over Hawaii. These were at first said to be from Chinese government satellites studying weather. Then I believe the news organizations claim satellites were actually U.S. government-owned. Recently, Infowars.com posted a video citing computer science and robotics authority Steve Favas, that's F's and Frank A.V. and Victor I.S., Steve Favas, on his website, Stevefavas.com, making the claim that the Maui fires could have been started by Chinese government satellites, which he determined to be over Hawaii at the time these fires began. We may never know if this claim is true, but given the belligerence of China in recent years, it makes sense that causing these and other wildfires in the U.S. in recent years advances the climate change fanatics drive to eliminate fossil fuels as energy sources. Play Soundbite 4, please.
0: Steve Favis is an expert in computer science and advanced robotics. He has been researching the Maui fires and has compiled evidence that the technology exists to have started these fires from a satellite in Earth orbit. He has also confirmed that the CCP had satellites capable of doing so above Maui at the time of the fires. His work has been published on his website stevefavis.com and includes everything you need to recreate these findings the most efficient way to ignite a fire on the surface from a satellite in earth orbit would be to paint the target in segments by pulsing the laser with an advanced targeting system to see if this were possible favas calculated what it would require to create a meter-wide mile-long fire Fired from a satellite, the Earth's atmosphere will absorb and scatter some of the laser energy. And so the laser would need to be in a wavelength range that minimizes this. The most effective wavelength would be in the near-infrared range, which would allow better transmission through the atmosphere. The near-infrared range would be invisible to the naked eye and would also have a minimal reaction with objects colored blue on the Earth's surface. The power of the laser would need to be in the hundreds of kilowatts range. And so Favis based his calculations on a 10 megawatt laser firing from Earth orbit. Assuming that the atmospheric loss amounts to 50% of the overall power, and only 5 megawatts reaches the surface as a one square meter beam, it would ignite a fire almost instantly. If this five megawatt beam was pulsed across a one meter by one mile long area in segments, then the time to ignite the entire area would be roughly 2.7 minutes. And it would only take approximately 8.8 seconds to melt an aluminum alloy wheel. The amount of energy required to pulse a 10-megawatt laser for 2.7 minutes would require approximately 3,220 capacitors, which would amount to about 32,200 kilograms in weight. Using MetLab software and plugging in public data provided from NORAD, he found that satellites launched and monitored by the CCP were directly above the Maui fires at the time of ignition. The CCP's most powerful rocket, the March 5, can launch up to 48,500 kilograms of payload, which is more than enough to carry the required payload in Favis' calculations. But Favis has found that the CCP has much more powerful lasers deployed already. He has calculated that the CCP has up to 70 gigawatt lasers in Earth orbit right now. That's at least 100 times more powerful than what he factored into these calculations. Adjusting NORAD's Default Coordinated Universal Time, or UTC, to the local time zones, Favis found the following. The Olinda fire was ignited at approximately 10.47 p.m., on August 7th at this exact time CCP satellite labeled NORAD 53299 was directly over the location the Lahaina fire was ignited at approximately 637 a.m. on August 8th at this exact time CCP satellite labeled NORAD 55836 was directly over the location the Kula fire was ignited at approximately 11.30 a.m. on August 8th. At this exact time, CCP satellite labeled NORAD 53299 was directly over the location. The so-called deep state does not want you to know that deadly lasers of mass destruction are freely traveling above us. And you can check this all for yourself at stevefavis.com where he provides the source code and has developed a specific software program that you can download and check for these satellites yourself. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese.
1: I had another uh, Greg Reese uh, presentation. I wanted to play from uh, InfoWars referring to the recent rash of terrible wildfires in the Canadian forests and but we don't have time to play it today. But he, he has pointed out that a lot of these people, a lot of the fires do seem to be started by arsonists, but you don't hear a whole lot about it. Um, and now there was, has been speculation also that possible satellites, though we don't know who, uh, could be involved in starting so, at least some of these fires, and, and including the fires that recently in the last couple of years in the Dismissed Damage, to wildfires in uh, California. Uh, but again, arsonists also seem to be have played a role in some of those as well, is so my understanding. Given the corruption of CCP, the CCP's buddy, Joe Biden, being uncovered by the congressional impeachment inquiry and Biden's advancing senility, I wouldn't be surprised if old Joe decides not to run for another term as president. If that happens, another CCP asset, in my opinion, California Governor Gavin Newsom, Is reported to be waiting in the wings to be nominated as the Democratic Party's next presidential candidate. Newsom is regarded by critics as a spoiled rich kid and dedicated leftist fool. He comes from one of the state's longtime ruling political families. He's a well-known and inveterate leftist, hell-bent on turning California into a socialist hellhole. And as things stand with a deep state, political left, and CCP substantially controlling our elections, it appears Newsom would be a shoe-in. With the death a few days ago of longtime California Democratic Senator Diane Feinstein, like Newsom, a former mayor of San Francisco, Newsom has said he wants to appoint a black woman politician to complete Feinstein's term of office. Several of these women have been mentioned as possible selections by Newsom. I have no problem with an Amer- American of African descent being, pos- being California's next senator, but be assured whoever fills Feinstein's seat in the Senate will be a Newsom-appointed radical leftist guaranteed to support the left's policies and goals in that body. So don't expect much change in the way of the political stance of the majority of the Senate. That's all for another show. As always, we hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted soon on the Jim Benson Show pages here at bbsradio.com. And if you have time, take a look at the videos posted on my pages there as well. That's The Jim Benson Show. Look for us with another live show two weeks from now in this same time slot. Have a great rest of your day and evening.